It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us. Always appreciate you listening and streaming us live on the Raiders mobile app as we open up the show brought to you by PTs. The best happy hour in town. No debate. Noon to 2. And when we get into these big, big happy hours, opportunities to start, I'm on noon to 2, happy hour 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m., that night happy hour. Just make sure you're not driving if you're going to enjoy those half-priced drinks and everything they're doing at the Strat, as we'll be over at the Strat for a meeting this week to tell you about what is new over there, which is really exciting from concerts to food to the top of the Strat. Uh, PT's fuels the monologue. As we get going today, good show lined up today. Vinny Bonsignor, our Raider Insider, our morning co-host who will join us and get us up to date on the roster, which is now really the priority of what's going on. Priority of what's going on is the roster and who's going to make the team. Who's going to make the team as a starter back up and who's going to get cut. As you know, I've, I've pointed this out many times to you. I do not care in July and August about the guys who won't make the team. I like them. They'll make the practice squad. They're important. It's once a Raider, always a Raider. You even hear me interview some of these individuals over the years. You know, not everybody is going to be Marcus Allen. Not everybody is Cliff Branch. Once a Raider, always a Raider. But I don't spend a lot of time on this show talking about guys who are not going to have a massive impact on this team. I try to talk about the guys who are going to have a massive impact and help the team win games. And that's what we're getting to now. So the first roster cuts. Not the end of the world. The second one, I think it's going to be really important. Coming off the joint practices with the Patriots and how this team gets down to 53. It's going to be really important because they need help on the offensive line. I believe they'll get another player that is not on the roster now. And they'll carry enough players for depth because it's not an elite offensive line. We know they have deep, deep running back room and receiver room. Other than that, nothing is deep. It's not deep at the safeties. It's not deep at corner. It's definitely not deep at linebacker, and it's not deep interior at the defensive tackle position when we don't know about Bilal Nichols and Jonathan Hankins. So who do you carry there? Do you have to carry someone extra because potentially a couple of players might not be able to start the season? That's where we're at. So we'll have Vinny on to talk about that. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate on gambling in the preseason uh, some of the lines that are moving as we speak, and a couple of the games where the Raiders are an underdog already that I like. You know, I'm trying to figure out this week, what is the best thing I do here on the show? And I think it's something new that's evolved over the last couple of years, is pointing out to you the disrespect the Raiders get. I think I do that better than anybody because I consume a lot of media because I'm on the radio at night when a lot of people are not, and I'm on the radio you know, in the middle of the day. So I'm seeing stuff in the morning and I'm on the air till late at night and I see what's happening there. The fact that the Raiders are so disrespected this preseason is fascinating to me. I just saw a show wrap up with the top 10 teams, top 10 teams in the NFL, according to a talker who just wrapped up. He had Buffalo at one, the Rams at two. 
That's good. I had Buffalo. I had Buffalo to win the Super Bowl last year. At three, four, and five, and we'll mention it, it's Colin Coward. At three, four, and five, he had Denver, Kansas City, and the Chargers. Three, four, and five. Then Cincinnati, San Francisco, number eight, the Bucks, number nine, the Cardinals, number 10, the Vikings. You just saw the Vikings. I bring this up because I just want to point out what the national media is saying about the Raiders. Some shows that are very, very big have differing opinions. And I talk to Raider Mort every day, one of the great Raider fans, first Raider fan, one of the first in the Raiders Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, the Visa fans back in the day. And Mort and I have a light conversation. I talk to Fred Bolitnikoff every day. I talk to my dad every day. I talk to people every day. And I try to get their opinions because I don't want my opinion. I know my opinion. I want your opinion. And it's just interesting. So I'm talking to Mort before the show, and I go, Mort, what's with this disrespect for the Raiders? And Mort, who's been a fan since 1960, when this team played its first game and pretty much has been to every one, uh, says to me, he goes, JT, it's obvious. We can't stop anybody yet, haven't proved on red zone defense. Fact, dead last in red zone defense last year. Much improved, hopefully, with Patrick Graham. And the other big point is the offensive line is now leaking into the national media that there's a problem. It's leaking into the national media who took off time in July and August to go on vacations, haven't been studying rosters, haven't been out to the Raiders practice, haven't been out there, right? Just a few guys, Brian Baldinger, Ian Rappaport, only a handful of guys, Steve Weish at Raiders practice nationally, so they don't know the roster. They have no idea who Thayer Mumford is. They have no idea the story of Lester Cotton Sr. They have no idea about any of this. So what they do is they just go for low-hanging fruit. So someone in the newsroom or the production meeting says, you know, that Raider offensive line isn't very good. And they go, really? Really? Hold on. Let me write that down, and I'll, and I'll read it on my debate show, and they don't know anything. And then it just drips down, it drips down, and it drips down, and that's where we are today, where the Raiders aren't picked by some to be a playoff team. And there are a few people out there, Adam Shine, who I work with, who has a nice platform on SiriusXM, Peter Schrager on Fox. There are some individuals who think the Raiders are going to do real well this year. You, the Raider Nation, are not realistic. You are not realistic, most of you, which is great. You're a fan. You want them to win. You're trying to find the positives in this team all the time, and I love that. That's what we're supposed to do on local radio. We're the flagship station. We are in cooperation with the team. We want the team to win. I do. I'm an employee of the team. Other people are not, and if they want to take shots at the Raiders, they have the right to do it. It's always been the case for me. You know what I'm doing here. I want the Raiders to win for you, for me, for my livelihood, for the coaches that I know, the alumni I know, everybody. And some, t- some years it's, it's better than others. This year, they're coming off 10 wins. They've had a bunch of changes on both sides of the building, but I'm just focused on football. And I really think they did a nice job with the GM and the head coach. And in the past, I've liked the GM and the head coach, like Mike Mayock, like Reggie McKenzie, John Gruden, Art Shell, Dennis Allen. Go down the list. Good people deserving of jobs trying to win games. Rich Basaccia last year. I sat down with him every week in the TV studio. What a guy. What a great guy. Under tremendous pressure. Delivered the team to the playoffs. Now he's a special teams coach in Green Bay. We wish Coach well. But our job here is to figure out how the Raiders are going to win from week to week. And we'll do that. And we're going to preview every team week to week. And we're going to take it. I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But we're going to take it one game at a time. You want to take it 10 games at a time. You want to start talking about the playoffs and the Super Bowl. And I'm aware of that. 
That's why we put gamblers on, sportsbook directors, what's the season win total, what's the over-under, yada, yada, yada. We do all that. And we try to do that. And then I try to navigate your phone calls between callers who are insane and passionate, who I love, and callers who I deal with on the post-game show who find every negative morsel to criticize the team because they, in tune, are really excited and they live and die with the team. So I deal with it all, man. Twitter trolls, post-game show, super positive people on this show. I deal with it all. I'm in the parking lot. I'm available at the torch. I'm in the black hole tailgate. I'm there to talk to people to get their opinions. And then I give them mine if they want. And that's all we do here. So Vinny will join us on the roster. Now, uh, some of the content that I consume every day is from The Athletic, because they do a very good job. Deshaun Reed and obviously Vic Tafer at all practices. And they are, they're better. They're much better at evaluating than I am the roster every day. I don't have binoculars. I'm not looking to see who the backup left guard is at practice every day. But as we look at this, Thayer Mumford is really the big talk, the four-year starter at Ohio State, and his ability to play at, at Ohio State, left guard, left tackle, and he played right tackle and started over Alex Leatherwood. So that's really the controversial topic, if you want to make it now, on who's going to start at right tackle. I would go with Leatherwood with his experience of how many games he's already played for the Raiders and his overall size and the difficulty to get around him, but he struggles. So if he ends up starting at right tackle or right guard, he's safer at right guard. If he plays right tackle, they're going to get him help. If Thayer Mumford ends up doing that, I'm concerned. He's never played in an NFL game. Playing right tackle is damn hard. It's really hard in the NFL against Bosa and J.J. Watt. And who's coming up here, but we're behind him. He's playing really well. Dealing with anxiety in the past and now having everything seemingly locked in and being rewarded with all of this positive media attention and elevating himself up this roster and maybe the minutes he's going to play. I don't know if Thayer Mumford's going to start. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to start against Miami. But I got to be prepared on this broadcast if he starts week one in L.A. against the Chargers. We need to know that here in the next couple of weeks. So that's important here. And then the inability or ability for players to be available and what's going to happen here. As Deshaun Reed talked about today in The Athletic, or was it yesterday? I have it here in front of me. Uh, Their second preseason game, Darren Waller hasn't practiced since last month. Last month. I I like Darren. We're friends. He's in the building. He's at the Aces game. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Hasn't practiced since last month. Well, at the practice is everything to me because he's not going to play in the game. So what about the practice of lining up in motion, blocking, and all of that? Is he fine with no games and no practice? Uh, Clearly, the ESPN report and what's happening here about the hamstring injury speculation doesn't seem to be serious. We know that he wants a contract. I don't get involved with contracts. But I hope this is a practice week for him. I hope in the, in the practices against the Patriots, he's out there getting the physicality of his arms and blocking going up against real competition. So we'll wait on that. According to him, the tight end caused a stir on social media Sunday when he was courtside at the Aces game at Michelob Ultra Arena instead of at the Raiders' preseason game. Waller received permission to do so from the team. That's all I need. Got permission. If he didn't get permission, 
it'd be the lead story on Pro Football Talk. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all as people are trying to make it somewhat of a deal. Besides Waller, Parker, and Miller, Deshaun writes, the other notable Raiders who didn't play Sunday, Hobbs, Crosby, Chandler Jones, Perriman, Anthony Averett, Rakia Sin, Foster Moreau, Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter, Hollister, Cleef Errol, Divine Diablo, Kenny Young. It says Averett, Yassin, Hollister, Farrell, Diablo, and Young also missed multiple practices. So at now, we have to assess on sports radio, is there a problem, an inability for, for players to be available, or is it so early and they started a week early in the preseason that it's not a concern at all? That's a good topic for Raider fans to hit on. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned. Most of the insiders that we have, including Vinny, will ask him at the top of the hour, are not concerned at all. But there are a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are not available or are not being used to play for rest, the fact that they don't need to play, or they're nursing some type of injury. I love the fact that the O-line combinations, there's a lot of them. Uh, Six of them, it seems to be which is good. We know exactly what's happening there. We know exactly what's happening there. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler want to throw everybody out there, play every position other than Colt Miller, figure out if you can play in a pinch. I love that. I think that's what's great about this franchise. It was made aware to to me very early on. If you look at the history of the Patriots, you know, the Patriots won a lot of Super Bowls with offensive linemen that you are not familiar with. You couldn't name them. Can you? Give it a shot if you're driving around in the car. Just do it off the top of your head and name me the offensive line for the Patriots. Anybody? You can't. You, you, they're not going to the Hall of Fame. They're, they're, they're not. They're, I want to say they're not big, recognizable ga- names. They're not. They didn't, they've had very good offensive linemen who just did their job. Seems like that's what Dave Ziegler's trying to do here. Find out early on in his tenure until he gets better offensive linemen via free agency, the draft, or trades on what what he has here. And I think they're doing a fantastic job of that because they told us they're being very transparent, and we got that, and we can see that. So those are some of the headlines on what the Raiders are doing heading into Miami. As I told you about the upcoming Miami game, very sticky spot here for the Raiders. It's their third preseason game. For the Dolphins, it'll be the second game. Either way, for the Dolphins and the Raiders, if they were ever going to let the starters play, for an extensive period of time, this would be the game to do it. You don't want to do it the last game, no need to. And the Raiders have a built-in practice, double practice with the Patriots, which is going to be amazing, really going to be amazing to see what happens because there's nowhere to hide. Not that the Raiders are looking to hide. They want to compete. But during those double practices with the Patriots, come here, guys. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. Patriots are here. The guys who are running the team now are from the Patriots, right? Ziegler and Josh. Belichick's in town. He's in Vegas at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He's lining up his guys. Who's ready for us? Rock Yassin, you ready to go, Averett? Who's ready to play? We need you to play now. We don't need you to play in that final preseason game, maybe, but we need you in these practices. That's right around the corner. Coming off a trip to Miami, with humidity, heat, and a lot of travel, where you want to come out of that game healthy, man. That's a game you want to come out healthy. That's a game you don't want dehydration. You don't want a hamstring. You don't want heat and humidity in that game. You want to play that game and get on the plane healthy and come home. And then you want to battle with the Patriots hard in practice 
And then after that, do what you need to do. Play whoever you want, shut it down, have a little extra time off, and the game plan, which is being installed for the Chargers, is ready to go. Uh, from the Charger insiders I talked to, same thing going on with them. They're not Their players, their starters aren't playing a lot of minutes here or playing at all because there's no need to. They got a really, really good roster. So I sound worked up, but I'm not worked up. Uh, I'm excited about this coaching staff. You know, the Gruden coaching staff had a deep, deep, deep history. Gruden was a really unique mind with offense. He, he gave Derek everything. It was very complex. Josh McDaniel's offense is arguably the greatest in the history of the NFL. Ever. Ever. He's got six Super Bowl rings. John Gruden doesn't. No one does. Josh McDaniels does. And remember, when Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator of that team, he had complete control of the offense. He was really the offensive head coach, and he's doing that now. Unlike Mike McCarthy, who over the years was a very good offensive coach, and now he doesn't call the plays. He doesn't call the plays. Kellen Moore does. He's got an offense and defensive coordinator. And what does he do? He takes all the ridicule. He just sits there doing what again? What do you do if you're an offensive genius coordinator, Super Bowl winner, and you don't call the plays? Why are you even here? What are you doing? Uh, the Raiders have a double-edged sword with Mick Lombardi, who, who's really young and really sharp and has come through this league with some tremendous mentors, as I talked about. And then you got Josh McDaniels, who's letting Mick involved in the play calling here and there and being an unbelievable assistant. But Josh McDaniels opening up a treasure trove of Tom Brady's plays well over a decade where they won in the playoffs in the Super Bowl in the regular season. Those are the plays. Tom Brady ran the plays. He ran them close to perfection. And Derek Carr's coming off years of John Gruden in his head like a robot where Gruden and the other coaches, Olsen and Johnny Morton at the time, gave Derek everything. They threw the kitchen sink at him, and Derek was able to handle it. Now what fascinates me as a football guy and as a fan is to see how much of the old offense that Derek was really good at, look at the stats, and then the new wrinkles of what Josh McDaniels has, and then the complete Josh McDaniels genius playbook. I mean, Hall of Fame type stuff. When I was at the Hall of Fame two years ago, I had a tour. I had a tour of the archives of the Hall of Fame, and they had George Allen notebooks. And they had a whole vault of notebooks of offensive plays. And I would assume 20 years from now, Josh McDaniels' playbooks are going to have a section in the vault where it's going to say Josh McDaniels, head coach, coordinator of the Patriots, and all his plays are going to be there because he's more successful than any play caller in NFL history. Let that sink in. The most successful play caller in NFL history. And he's the coach now. And Derek supposedly is handling it all beautifully. So that's where we're at. Uh, there's not a lot out there today other than the Raiders being somewhat healthy. But I believe it's time now to talk about maybe by the end of the week, maybe on the pregame show with Eric Allen this uh, Saturday, we'll get into a deep dive on like who, who didn't practice this week. Who wasn't available this week which now we're talking about if they weren't available for Canton, Minnesota, and Miami, there'd be a little bit of a cause for concern. I'm not sensing that around the Raider Nation just yet, but it's something I'm keeping an eye on. If you want to jump in on anything I said on the monologue, 702-365-9200 as we open up the show brought to you by Resorts World. They just had a big fight there that went well. They got the biggest nightclub in the world in Zook. They got the greatest cigar lounge in the world, which is eight 
which you should go to, and all their other great restaurants. We'll be there for Monday Night Football as we set our schedule for Monday Night Football. We'll be at Doghouse Saloon where they have the sports book and everything there. Other NFL news, we're still waiting on Deshaun Watson, as I thought that would have happened yesterday or today. I keep swinging and missing on that. I, I, mean, I can't believe it. it's not here. I cannot believe it's not here. Kadre Ishmael will be one of the first guests we have to go around the league as Bobby is setting up camp tours where we're just going to go all over the place. So Kadre Ishmael with Baltimore in the AFC with the Raiders. I think they're in the same boat as the Raiders. They're going to be competing for either the division or a wild card. As of right now, I have Baltimore as a playoff team in the AFC. Tomorrow, we'll have Orlando Azulgari. He's an insider for the Dolphins as we preview Miami. The Miami hype machine is really high and big. Uh, There's going to be a lot of talk with the Miami Dolphins the rest of the week on this broadcast because of Tua and Waddle and the receivers that they have. Tyreek Hill coming in. Oh, my God. We have to – Tyreek Hill – I don't think he's going to play. But if he does, it'd be the best thing that could happen to the Raiders. Oh, my God. That's a video game. A guy who's owned the Raiders. Owned them. It'd be great to see him out there. I'd love to see the Raiders have to guard him. That's like a master class. That's like getting an MBA in football if you have to guard Tyreek Hill. Because he's incredible. And he causes fits. And, again, I don't expect to see him play. But we'll know more coming up here on that. So some of the headlines that are out there, uh, there's some big moves out there potentially still. Roquan Smith, I know a lot of Raider fans are wondering if he could be an outside backer and if the Raiders could trade for him. I doubt it, but that's getting interesting in Chicago as he is an elite linebacker who is available potentially in a trade. And congratulations to Carl Nassib. He will join the Buccaneers for the second time. I talked about that on my show last night. He does a lot. He's a sharp guy. The first openly gay player in the NFL uh, was a Raider, played hard for the Raiders, and now he goes to the Buccaneers where he played well under Todd Bowles in the past. And the Buccaneers are going to try to get him to jump in and to do some things and play at a high level. I did not think Carl had much left at the end when he was a Raider. I didn't think he had the burst and the edge rush. And the Raiders now have Malcolm Kuntz and Diablo coming off the edge. That's another thing that Vic Tafer wrote about in The Athletic as we're looking at the edge rushers. And what the Raiders now have with the backup edge rushers that could spell Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. So that is the monologue. I did my job. 22 minutes of me. Just me. Now a little bit of you. Raider Nation from all over on the Raiders mobile app in Las Vegas where we're trying to build up this fan base and get you to go and get you to enjoy it. And then all other topics that I deem to be important here that you're talking about. Ooh, Uh, Walker Bueller out for the Dodgers getting surgery. That could cost them the World Series. Dodgers are going to have to win playoff games. They're not having their ace or number two starter. He's gone. God, they're going to need him in the divisional series and the championship round in the National League and in the World Series. Game two, four, or seven. And the Dodgers lose that. More on the fallout of Fernando Tatis also and how he took away the Padres season. If the Padres still have a season left. And everything else that's happening in Vegas, rumblings on a big fight, big fight coming up here that I have information on, and so much more. So get in the rotation, and hopefully we can hear from you and add to the show. Tell me what's firing you up from the Minnesota victory into Miami. Who do you want to see play? Who are you concerned about? Who do you believe needs to step up here and be ready to go as we speak? 
Someday I'll show up and every phone line will be packed and I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy. Until then, I'll give you the number and see if it'll match my intensity. You might be in August. I'm in like February, man. It's football season. I just had the first game at the Torch and I'm ready to roll. So jump on board. Vinny Bonsignor at the top of the hour. Jeff Sherman on the moving odds in Vegas and how it affects the Raiders. 702-365-9200. As Bobby put the show together, tomorrow, Steph McKenzie. Man, we got some we got some good guests coming up. And my buddy Chris just texted me, the Dodgers will be fine. Okay. All right, get back to me. Game three of the World Series with that starting rotation. We'll see how that plays out. They're playing better than my Yankees, actually. JT. Mannion out of the gun. Five-man rush. Drilled as he steps up to throw. To Sean Bauer. Last man through the hole. And right when Mannion stepped up to make the throw, had to pull it back with Bauer in his face. Jason Horowitz on the call. JT back with you. Sam and Ash injury law. Sam and Ash injury law because you deserve what's right. If you get into an accident, get safe, get to the side of the road. Don't talk to any scoundrels. Call my people, Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Sam and Ash can do this all the way from California, where they're super successful, all the way here to Vegas, where they are fantastic. 702-820-1234. Remember to discuss being injured after an accident. Long after, wait and call Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Vic Tafer's column, Josh McDaniels, is in no rush to reveal much as Raiders reach halfway point of camp. I would agree with that. Josh McDaniels doesn't have to tell us anything, and he's given us a lot. He's been told us the greatest experience he's ever had in a preseason atmosphere at Legion Stadium. Uh, how excited was he to win in front of his family, his family in Canton, Ohio? He's telling us about all these offensive line matchups and what he's doing there. So very interesting on what's happening for the Raiders They got the run going pretty well against the Vikings, 115 yards on 22 attempts. That's 5.2 a carry. Very important there. Uh, Vic writes, is McDaniels confident that Hankins and Nichols will be back next week? If any of the players remain on the pup list past August 23rd, they'll be forced to miss the first four games of the season. That's a topic that we'll be really keeping an eye on. As Vic Tafer wrote, Hankins would be one of only six defensive starters back from last season. And as the Raiders are trying to build off that playoff performance with their great stars that they have here. He writes, Dylan Parham played three positions on Sunday. The two guard spots and at center. Uh, Lester Cotton Sr. is getting first team reps at right guard after Denzel Good's retirement. And the mixing and matching of the offensive line, Thayer Mumford over Leatherwood starting the game, Leatherwood starting the second half of the game. Is that a big deal for anyone there? I mean, it seems like it's the biggest competition spot in the entire camp. It's the most important one, who's going to play right tackle, and one who has a little bit more experience over the other in Leatherwood. But if Thayer Mumford's playing well and he played at Ohio State, he's played against a lot of these guys in college as a four-year starter, but on the other side. So what will happen in that position and we all know that what they're doing is they're giving a lot of help. They're chipping with the back or leaving in a tight end. I don't like leaving in a tight end. I like Waller to be wide. 
So if you leave in Moreau to block, again, Foster Moreau is a selfless player because he he's giving up receptions. Foster Moreau playing on another team, if he was, because he could be a star number one guy. But here he blocks a lot because Waller's the other tight end, and Waller's an athletic freak. And I like when Waller is out on the outside because as I talked to one of the coaches, he demands the double team over the top in the red zone. And Devontae demands the double team. So as far as you can spread out Devontae and Waller on the field, especially in the red zone, because let's focus on the red zone. That's a priority for this team. That's going to be very important because the safeties, the safeties have to pick how they're going to die. They have to say, well, I'm going to go down with Waller. Or I'm going to go down with Devontae. And if you're in the red zone, you're on the 11-yard line. I mean, remember last year the Raiders' end, season ended first and goal at the nine-yard line. Let me repeat that nightmare. First and goal at the nine-yard line, and Waller didn't even get a look. He didn't get a look the way he should have got a look. He should have got four in a row. I think he should have had at least three out of four balls, 50-50 balls thrown to him. And I think he could have caught one. Or he got a flag in the end zone, first and goal at the one. And the Raiders didn't do that. I think that'll change this year because I think we'll see uh, a lot of forced throws, which is good. I love when they force the ball to Devontae or Waller or Hunter. Bang the ball to them in the air. Get them the ball. Get them the touches. They'll all make plays. Last year, my criticism of the Raiders and the offense and the coaches were only one. They were very predictable in the running game. You all know that. You called me on it. They ran the ball into a pile on first down. They gave away first down. How many times did the Raiders give up on first down? Just a handoff up the middle. Handoff up the middle at second and eight, second and nine. That can't happen anymore. This team has to run with authority. They have to pick a tackle that they're going to run behind or a guard and get four to five yards. And setting up a short second down for Derek or a manageable second down. You want to throw more on first down? That'd be great. They were able to do that in New England with Tom Brady because he was the greatest of all time. And Carr's very good at the line of scrimmage. This is an important year for Derek at the line of scrimmage to change the play the way Brady did to the obvious play. Remember, everybody, no one will ever be as good as Tom Brady at deciding what the line of scrimmage looks like. Never. The, the guy who may be the second greatest of all time was Brady's arch rival. The second greatest line of scrimmage quarterback to ever play was Peyton Manning. Remember, Omaha, Omaha, who is better than Peyton Manning at changing a play? Nobody other than Tom Brady. But the difference is Brady didn't have to change the play a lot because Josh McDaniels had the correct play for Brady due to scheme. Peyton Manning, who's had some decent coaches, Tony Dungy wasn't an offensive genius, Peyton Manning would come to the line and spend... 10 or 15 seconds changing the play due to coverage. Brady won that as they broke the huddle. Josh called in the play, and Brady had an advantage because he had Gronk, and he had some great slot receivers and some really good running backs who can catch the ball. And I think that's what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler want to do is they build this team. They want to build up a team that has an advantage at the line of scrimmage, and you really do have an advantage at the line of scrimmage when you have a guy like Derek Carr. Fabulous at the line of scrimmage. And... You know, I, I think you'll see less check downs from Derek because he has Devontae. And depending on Waller and what's going to happen with him, a lot of balls coming to Waller and explosive plays to Waller. God, I can't wait for this red zone offense, right? Do you all agree? You can't wait for that red zone offense to come in and just be explosive and, you know, throwing it three out of four downs and attacking the end zone. 
I think that's going to be the strength of the Raiders. 702-365-9200. The Jets got really good news today. Zach Wilson had successful knee surgery, and he could be ready for week one, which is really fascinating as he flew out to L.A. to have that surgery. According to Yahoo and Jason Owens, there was no additional damage beyond his initial diagnosis, and the Jets quarterback potentially could be ready for week one. According to multiple reports, ESPN's Rich Sanimi says uh, Wilson's surgery was deemed a valuable success and there were no surprises after the initial diagnosis of a bone bruise and torn meniscus. So that goes to show you that you can kind of have that injury. If you don't really do sick damage to it, you could be back in two to four weeks, and that's time enough for him to get back there and get ready to play. Mitch in Jersey, start us off on the flagship of the Raiders. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, Chase. Yeah, how you doing? Hope it's nice. Oh, good. There. It's nice. Thanks. Uh, I just want the running backs, Brown and mm. White. <laughs> you can't get any easy with those names. And you mentioned about the Dodgers. I'm not worried about the Dodgers. I know uh, you is great, but mm. they could possibly have three 20-game winners, mm-hmm. plus plus May coming back and Kershaw. And the hitting is, is is different. Cody and Joey Gallo, if you have, I don't know if you know, you probably did. Mm. They're making a little research. Thank you, Mitch. Mitch, your phone's breaking up. I appreciate it, Mitch. Thank you. I wait around all day. I love Mitch. And my call to start the show is Mitch in New Jersey, which I love. Thank you, Mitch, as I host the show from Las Vegas. 702-365-9200. I think the Dodgers are in trouble losing Walker Bueller. He's a great pitcher. He's a bulldog. Okay, a younger version of Oral Hershiser, who was much better but, man, the guy, was, the guy was charting to be a great, great Dodger. You can't lose your number two starter, who technically is your number one, and think you're going to be okay. You hope to be okay. Hope. But you don't know if you're going to be okay. Because in game one or two, if it's the Mets, it'll be Scherzer and DeGrom. Going up against who for the Dodgers? Now, fortunately, the Dodgers can hit. And the Dodgers can hit in a big way. My Yankees can't hit. I don't think my Yankees have gotten a hit in the last couple of weeks. They're a disaster there. But I think the Dodgers are in a little bit of trouble here as we open up the show. Thanks for the call, Mitch. Appreciate you listening in New Jersey and calling the show as I host the show in Vegas. Thank you so much. 702-365-9200. So the Zach Wilson story is big, and we're still waiting for the news on Deshaun Watson, which hasn't come down the pipe just yet. There are cuts being made down to 85 As soon as we get that from the Raiders, we'll let you know about that. That is a big discussion. Not the first four or five guys who are getting cut here, but what's going to happen on the road to 53, as we'll talk with Vinny Bonsignor at the top of the hour about the roster. Vinny's really in-depth on the roster. Who's already on the bubble? So let let to have that with Vinny if you didn't hear him this morning, and we'll talk to him. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's, where we have $50 Grimaldi gift cards to give away to the best callers. We should bury him all over Vegas and make it a treasure. <laughs> Jeff Sherman will join us next from the Westgate. We'll talk about the moving odds. On the Vikings four, a third and goal. Working left to right, Stidham's out of the gun, he's got Kenyon Drake off his hip. Snap, plenty of protection, looking over the middle, pocket collapses, he takes off to the goal line! Touchdown Stidham! Six the hard way!
Jason Horowitz on the call. Six the hard way as Stidham proves that he can run here in the preseason. JT, back with you. We'll talk to Jeff Sherman, the VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate momentarily. A couple of sound bites I want to get to from Josh McDaniels this week that I think are pretty important on how they want to go forward with this offensive line. The evaluation of Thayer Mumford Jr. as he started the last game at Allegiant Stadium. For the most part, we we were headed in the right direction. Um, you know, in pass protection, there was a couple things uh, – that I think we saw that we can do better uh, as a group. Um, but I thought generally speaking, uh, he acquitted uh, well for himself and, you know, did some, did some things that he's been doing on the practice field. So uh, it was good to see some of that stuff carry over to the game. Um, uh, we had obviously a lot of rookies on the field yesterday. Uh, a lot of them uh, with things that they're going to learn uh, from today and when we watch the film. Um, but uh, generally speaking, um, you know, I think there was some progress. Uh, more conversations coming up about that and the offensive line. The concern at defensive tackle and what could potentially happen with the pup list with Hankins and Nichols. Josh McDaniels was asked for an update on those two players. You know, we'll kind of gauge that as we go here in the next, you know, so many days. Um, I don't want to put a, a time frame on that because, you know, when they're ready, as soon as they're ready, they're, you know, we'll be ready to go. You know, I just, again, those, those things are, you know, sometimes you feel, you know, good one day and not as, not as good the next and all the rest of it. So once we feel confident that we're headed in the right direction and we're not going to take a misstep, then we'll make the right decision at that time. Uh, more Josh McDaniel sound coming up. It's always a pleasure to welcome in Jeff Sherman, one of the sharpest bookmakers out there, period, VP of Risk Management over at the Superbook at the Westgate and the great golf odds maker. And Jeff, before we get to the NFL, let's start with golf, also your expertise. What do you think about Tiger speaking with the golfers here before the BMW? There are some big names there from McElroy, Rom, Finau, Scheffler, the biggest names in golf there. Is that why Tiger picked this location to talk? Yeah, I mean, they're trying to keep this connection together, the ones that believe in the PGA Tour and are against live, and, you know, you just have these two factions going their separate ways, but, I mean, ultimately, it just feels like these two sides need to get together to work for the benefit of the game, because uh, there's just too much money involved on the live side to not draw more players into it. So how has this topic evolved since it first came out, and now it's cooled down? I remember when the when Liv was about to start, I flew into London on the way up to Liverpool, and I saw the big ads in London, the huge billboards, and then Mickelson blowing up and doing a terrible job at press conferences, and then them bringing in more players like Bubba Watson and the rumors about Cam Smith and what they're going to do here. Is the PGA huddled up and concerned even more? Yeah, well, there's no doubt, and they have reason to be. And you see all these issues that Cam Smith had this past weekend with this penalty he got called on a day late mm-hmm. and how it, got effect, how it affected the betting markets because of that um, up to his withdrawal this week. I mean, is there more to it than just him having an injury because he's up there in the FedEx standings, and who knows how that's going to go. But everyone knows he's going to be heading to live. So, you know, if he would have won this past week, he would have been number one in the world. Uh, and I know the last thing the PGA Tour wanted to see was Cam Smith holding the FedEx Trophy and the next day announcing he's going to live. So a lot of moving parts here. Very interesting because, yeah, he could he could hold up that trophy. It could also be Will Zalatoris finally getting his first win. Really bizarre how long it took him for all those great performances in the majors and on the PGA Tour. 
How does that change the odds of him going forward here as he seems to be dialed in alongside Tony Finau? Yeah, well, he's had relatively low odds because he's extremely popular, and he was wagered upon at 25-1 to 1 this past week. Uh, he was a loser for us. A lot of people had him, but that affected his master's odds where I went from 25 to 20, and he's still going to be a target for everyone. They, they love getting behind him because he's been right there in previous majors, and now he got his win over that. So just like you mentioned with Finau, uh, those are two very popular golfers at this moment. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate in Vegas. So let's talk about some trends in preseason football. The Ravens continue to win. I mean, this team's amazing in the preseason. They compete in every game to win, and they beat the Titans 23-10. to 10. What's it like setting odds in the preseason for the Ravens, knowing the streak's alive? Well, we try to be aggressive with them, and you know we were as high as uh, minus 5 last week, and we had a lot, a lot of sharps that went against that. It went as low as minus three until we closed three and a half, but uh, we did well in that game because a lot of sharps were fading Baltimore. Uh, and this week you see it where they're a large road favorite at Arizona, where they were as high as a seven-point favorite, which you don't really see in the preseason, especially on the road. So we anticipate that money coming in on Baltimore, and we're extra aggressive on it. But right now the sharps are fading that thinking this streak's going to come to an end at some point. What do the Sharps now think of the 49ers after the Trey Lance performance in the 28-21 win over the Packers? He flashed that big arm in a brief preseason stint. I think a lot of Niner fans are excited going forward, betting on the home team. Yeah, I mean, not much on the preseason this week, but we have seen a lot of play on the 49ers season win total under 10. We opened a 10 over. We're at 10 under a dollar twenty right now. And that is one of our larger decisions, but the Sharps have been betting the 49ers under 10 wins. Raiders are in Miami. Uh, two things on both teams. First off, the Raiders 2-0 and out of the gate, and how that's looking with Josh McDaniels as the head coach in Miami. I'll follow that up if you can touch on the Dolphins with the hype behind Tua as they beat the Buccaneers 26-24. Yeah, and you see the Raiders as a two-point road favorite this week in Miami, and a lot of that is that has to do with how the Raiders have performed with their two wins. Josh McDaniels looking like he's trying to win these preseason games, uh, especially with the local fan base out here. We saw a lot of Raider support on Sunday's game against the Vikings, so we anticipate more of that. And, and Minnesota, or Miami is a team that the public is really getting behind, too, especially on their win total. They've been betting them over nine wins. We've been seeing each week their regular season uh, matchup in week one. So a lot of support for the Dolphins this year, and it's going to be no different with the, the preseason game coming up. Well, let's stay on that topic, as you know it better than anybody. The public is also on who when it comes to season win totals. Who's been a team that has changed a bit since the last time we talked in a few weeks ago? Well, the Lions is extremely popular. We opened, mm. opened them at 6 over thirty. They're up to 6.5 over minus 140. So you have a half a total win with the juice even higher than what we originally opened at. Uh, extremely popular. The Raiders, I know you ask me about this every week, and we're still at 8.5, but the juice keeps climbing. We're up to 8.5 over minus 140. So a lot of one-way traffic on the Raiders over 8.5 wins. Uh, plenty of support in other markets on the Raiders, too. The Super Bowl is down to 20 to 1. We actually opened that 80 to 1. So 80 to, whoa, 80 to 1 down to 20 to 1 for the silver and black? That's where we're at right now, from 80 to 20, yes. Oh, I did not know that. How about the Buccaneers last season at 13? Buccaneers that still win total at 11.5 with the injuries that Brady has away for some personal time. Any effect on the Buccaneers in the win total? Yeah, we opened the Tampa Bay at 11.5 under minus 120. We're down to 11 flat, so we've gotten away from that 11.5 number. More sharp money on the under, so that's why it's moved a half a win down. 
Uh, Jeff, let's wrap it up in the NBA with the Durant move, the odds of Durant moving. What do you think is going to happen here? What is the market telling you? As Durant seems to be, I don't know how else to describe it, he seems to be more insecure than ever. The trade market hasn't moved with him, and there's a lot of fans asking me where does he end up and how it affects the Brooklyn Nets going forward. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, right now we're just feeling a middle ground on him. We're sitting at 18-1 to for the title, which obviously would be a lot higher if him and Irving were dealt. And a little bit lower if he stayed, but even if he stays, there's you know culture issues that are going to go on with the team. And is he going to not report to camp? So it just seems like there's more downside to the Nets than there is upside. And we'll be getting our season wins up in a couple weeks, and you know we're going to try to be aggressively low on them, thinking that there's just more negativity that can happen with it. So we have to take that approach. At the same time, we adjust some of the future destinations he might go mm-hmm. to. Miami down a little bit. Phoenix not so much talked about anymore, but Boston. Boston's a title favorite of five to one. Anticipation that he could go there. Uh, lastly, on baseball, my Yankees are in a swoon. Like I can't believe. I mean, they can't score, let alone win a game. And the Dodgers lose Walker Bueller, who is an ace, especially in the postseason. How has that affected the odds when I look at the Yankees and the Dodgers? The Dodgers has no effect because they've they've had this win streak. They've been winning, doing what they've been doing without Walker Buehler. So we've kept them at seven to two. The Yankees' number has gone up to nine to two though because now they're behind Houston. So we've got Houston at seven to two, the Yankees at nine to two, and slowly increasing the Yankees' odds. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure talking to you. Have a great rest of the week. All right, thanks you too, JT. That's Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, the Superbook, the Superbook at the Westgate. Go there, ask for Jeff, say hi to him, and. You're going to watch a game on those TVs and get that experience. The sharpest gamblers in the world do their business at the Westgate. We appreciate him coming on. 702-365-9200. Oh, my God. Raiders go from 80-1 to to 20-1 to in Super Bowl odds, and they haven't moved off the win total at 8.5. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? All the Raiders Super Bowl bets. That's driving the number from 80-1 to to 20-1, to but hasn't moved them from eight and a half to nine win total. How do you have all that money bet on the Raiders changing the odds to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, but you haven't moved the season win total? Hey, Raider fans, raise your hand and beep your horn if you've thrown 20 down on the Raiders yet to win. I mean, to just go over eight and a half, or are you staying away? Because the number hasn't been moved enough with the handle for Jeff Sherman at the Westgate to take it from eight and a half to nine, but all those Super Bowl bets... That's something for a sharp gambler to talk to me about. One hour flew by. We got Vinny Bonsignor and Cadre Ishmael the second hour on the flagship of the Silver and Black.